0: Hey guys, it's Gary Vaynerchuk, and this is the Gary V Audio Experience.
1: Well, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to the the brawl in Hall Five. I'm going to try to keep it under control up here. I'm Susie Welch. On my right is Jack Welch, and on my left, Gary V. These are two guys who need no introduction whatsoever. So I think I'll just plunge in. We are asking you to. Um, send us your questions. Also, you can see the information up there. Ask real CEOs. I think is the hashtag. So let's just start right off with sort of a brief, if you would, guys. State of the Union. Right. It's it's 2015, um, and uh, the people who are in this audience are interested in starting businesses, getting funding, hiring great people, crushing the competition. Yeah. If you were yeah, sitting, yeah. especially crushing the competition. If you were sitting in a bar. Uh, as you were want to do with any of the people in this audience, what would you tell them really, really excites you about the future? And what is scaring the living daylights out of you? Gary, you're up. Well, you're okay, up, Sorry. Gary. I was, gonna, I was being polite here. <laughs>
0: Nothing scares me. And uh, as far as what excites me is that clearly the internet's promise over the last 20 years is squeezing out the middle of anybody who doesn't bring value. To me, what I feel is happening and that we're all so lucky to be living through right now is it feels like there's more meritocracy, right? If you've got the chops, there isn't an editor, there isn't a decision maker, there isn't somebody who's stopping you because the platform of the internet allows people to really go direct to consumer. There's no more man, there's no more machine. Yeah, there, you know, especially man, right? Like, like I hate like, man.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah, and you're saying you really believe there's no more machine, so nothing scares you. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm an optimist. I mean, oh. plenty. Vladimir Putin scares me, but like, you know, <laughs> like... Well, where I mean, is he? You know, Chewbacca
0: scares me. <clears throat> you know, like, things scare me, but
1: from a business sense... All no. right, total optimism from Gary. So, Jack?
2: You know what scares me uh, is having an idea. I mean, more and more young people up to me and say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I say, what's your damn idea? Uh, idea? I want to be an entrepreneur. You don't manufacture an entrepreneur, you gotta have something. You gotta have, as he says, chops, and you gotta have something of value, something unique. I wanna be an entrepreneur for a career. I, I speak at all these fancy colleges all over the world, and kids really raise their hand. I wanna be an entrepreneur. Get an idea. Okay, so let's say they have
1: an idea, okay? Then yeah. the hard part. Right. So, what's the? What are the two big pieces of advice you would give somebody who's got an idea and wants to be an entrepreneur? Not everyone can be one. What are the? What's the two big pieces of advice you give somebody? Gary. Okay. Well, first of all, the,
0: Jack's right. But the you know, for me, we're seeing so many. I, I see so much early stage startup stuff, and the truth is, you know. Ideas are commoditized. A lot of people have got the same ideas. Yep. A ton of ideas are straight shit, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's that problem. I think I think the more stunning thing is I've seen a ton of people with tremendous ideas that have no idea mm-hmm. how to actually execute. I, I think the single biggest thing that I, I would tell people is, that I think there's a huge disconnect between their idea and the audience they're trying to serve. The lack of pulse of knowing who you're trying to serve, who you're trying to sell to. The value
2: proposition. Right. What is the value proposition? All right, and the advice you'd give is- Over and over again, you get people that talk about stuff that don't say, it's like everybody wanted to go to China in my day. Got to be in China. They don't need you. What are you bringing that's different? Why are you bringing it? So you it, have- and, and China's a great place if you've got something the Chinese government needs. If you're coming over there with a, a bag of crap, nothing's gonna happen, no matter how many billion people they have.
0: And Jack, that doesn't, by the way, like, not just fucking China, right? Like, everybody, like, like when you bring shit, I love when people are like, Gary, I really need your marketing. I'm like, no shit, your product fucking blows. Right? So I, I think, you know... I hope my children aren't watching this. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Susie, it's just getting started. <laughs> you got 55 minutes of this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So you tell them, get a, prop- uh, a proposition. All right. But you've got to build a team while you're at it, all right? you got to hire somebody. Gary, you're hiring a lot of people, Jack. You had 400,000 people working for you at one point. What are you looking for when you're yes, 400,000. What are the qualities you're looking for? There's a lot of smart people out there. No what you, do you What do you, you want?
2: Smart, hungry, energized, people that can energize others, excite others, make the case for where you're going, how you're going to get there and get people following you and, and hungry. You want. Hungry people. You want people with their nose against the glass. Smart, passionate, hungry, willing to take the hill. That's what you want. What you don't you want anybody else in the game.
0: I'm obsessed with self awareness. Right? Somebody who knows themselves I think is a real value to me because Jack's right and he's talking about leaders and we've got plenty of those and I love those people. But you know, the truth is especially for a younger generation, we're in this point now where you know, work-life balance or how much money actually is needed for you as an individual, everybody in here to actually get you to that happy place, what else do you value? Um, so to me, if you show me somebody who's self-aware, yep. even if they're self-aware that they're a B minus, in a big machine, there's spots for a lot of different players. How do you find out if somebody's self-aware? Ask them, are you self-aware? No, you, <laughs> for me, I watch it in their behavior, right? right? I mean, some people walk in, they're like, Gary, I really think that I should be an SVP. And I'm like, I think you should be fucking fired, right? <laughs> and, and so, you know, so I, I, think, that, I think that there's people, their actions day in and day out. Listen, I think with no question right now, especially in a world where people are, are talking to the world, there's a lot more communication, Right? Yes. Employees can talk to the world, not just inside their own buildings. I, I think that the HR DNA of an organization has never been more valuable, right? The human resources to me is at the top now, not an afterthought well, or a checkbox.
1: Okay. I'm telling you, this is what I feared the most about this, is that you guys were gonna to agree too much, because Jack, you also think that well, HR I believe is, it's, I mean, oh, look, it's a long time people have hated on HR, HR, yeah, you know, but, the,
2: but, but HR is all important, isn't but it? In our new book, we're, we're pitching a real hard pitch Break up HR, get the finance, the insurance, the badge, the crap out of it. And, and let, let HR truly be people development, careers, lifestyle, everything. And, and this is a big deal. A- HR is always the backwater. Back in the last thing to hire, May have a picnic and the birthday with HR. The rest is crap. And so you really wanna just focus on that, not a bunch of stuff around badges, insurance, Just finance, make it all so about that. the people. Make it about the people. I, I, Suze,
0: I'll tell you this, I've had a consistent career of firing the single most talented people in my organization because they were unable to play with the other girls and boys from an HR standpoint. That to me is just a death blow. I don't give a fuck if you're the greatest of all time. If nobody else likes you, get the hell out of my face.
1: Let's get personal for a minute. I want to talk to you guys about valuations and some stuff with the economy, but I just want to know, you're both successful and we all know your achievements, but I want to know about the biggest mistake you ever made so that everybody out here who's watching can avoid making this mistake. Biggest mistake you ever made.
2: Well, I'm the oldest, so I've made the most. (laughs) But fundamentally, fundamentally, I've bought businesses based on numbers. We, We used to buy a business a day, 200 a year. Jesus. And I made a lot of mistakes by buying it based on numbers and not about culture. When you try and take culture A and put it with culture B, all hell can break loose if A and B don't get along and numbers aren't enough so when you start doing deals and other stuff don't get all hung up on the numbers be sure the fit culturally works and the people as Gary says like each other can work together that's a that's big fine. deal
1: didn't you have sort of a rather explosive mistake early in your career Jack
2: well I blew the roof off a building I was a chemical engineer PhD scientist <laughs> I was mixing stuff and I blew the roof off the building and- what I thought it was all done. I thought I was all done. I met her, and I had to go to New York to meet the top boss, because my current boss didn't know me once I blew the roof off. He thought I was the last thing he wanted to be near. So he sent me to see his boss. I went down there. His boss happened to be a hell of a guy. He used the Socratic method. What did you do wrong? How did you do it? Why'd you do it? What would you do right the next time? And I took my white shirt and tie, and drove back in my Volkswagen, and I got back, and I still had a job. What did you learn from that? Uh, that absolutely don't kick anybody when they're down. You can kick people when they're, when they're swelling instead of growing. Think about that. You, when you find people who are swelling instead of growing, you've got a huss's ass on your hands. <laughs> and you're going to have to deal with it. And that's a big deal. So remember that.
1: Don't it, kick them on, there are on their back. Gary, what's your big mistake or two?
0: You know, I think the, the, the themes, you know, I, I think I will repeat these mistakes because I think they're entrenched into my DNA. I think at times I'm too patient. You know, I uh, patience is my strength, but... Uh, it's that, it, that true? Is not not seeing it. I thought they were like laughing at something. No, that no, Gary, they are obvious. No, 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 you're laughing at you. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Um, <laughs> I get it. I think. I think. I understand my personality and the outwardness. But I'm stunningly patient. If somebody digs into the way, that, well, listen. Everybody forgets. You know, I spent eight years building wine library before I ever came out and even said hello to the world. I didn't try to become a you know a business coach or a thought leader at 24 because I had some ideas. So you know, I I I think I'm actually too patient at times. I think the other thing that happens, which is contradicts that a little bit is at times I get very big eyes and I try to do four or five things at the same time. Um, just because I think I can, my ego and bravado get the best of me and I think that you know just by just through sh- sheer will that I'll, I'll, I'll create victory. And so those have been the things that I need to pay attention to.
1: Alright, if you're going to give people advice about this, what would it be, I want to know for both of you, what sets off your bullshit meter? What sets it clanging?
2: Bullshit. Uh, both are bullshit and pomposity. Pompos- nothing's worse than pomposity. A pompous ass is the worst thing in the world. Somebody who thinks they're more important than they are, who thinks they're somebody big, it's the worst trait known to man.
0: Um, hypocrisy. Yeah. It makes my face fucking melt off. Yeah. You know, I, I hate when people are hypocrites, right? Yeah. Like, oh, this person's micromanaging too much. And I'm like, you're fucking micromanaging too much. Yeah. You know, so to me, hypocrisy kills me.
1: All right, let's go into some fast answers. I'm gonna throw out some words, sort of hot words, or hot ideas that are going on right now, and I'd love to get your sort of fast reactions, to so them. we'll just go back and forth between the two of you, all right? I feel like I feel like I, want, I just I just want, go ahead. You okay? Yeah, I'm great. All right. All right, Facebook.
0: Hot. The establishment.
1: Ooh. All right. The 3D printing, 3D printing.
0: Uh, early. Gun control. Let me explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me-
2: that's, that's pretty wild. We got a smart
0: cr- crowd. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go, you know, but clearly yeah, most of them do. got it, which is like, we debate these things of like, people can't, don't let them buy guns at shows. I'm like, they're gonna fucking meet guns in like four minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, interesting, interesting. All right, Twitter. Tired. Tired.
0: Attention issues. The fire hose is too loud, and the attention graph is broken on Twitter as it sits right now.
2: Mm. Google. Tough to compete with. I'll tell you that. I'm in. I'm in uh, IAC, which has Match.com, which has uh, all the other search engines and other things, and. Uh, Google's one tough ass guy to do business with.
1: Yep. Google.
0: <sighs> A search company that should be dramatically more, and every second I'm just waiting it to do that.
1: Jeff Bezos.
2: Big balls. Oh my God. <laughs> Love them. <laughs> Okay. Um,
0: big hairy balls.
1: Oh god.
0: <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I think he's as good of a CEO <laughs> as right. I, I'm oh. a huge fan. All
1: right, okay, well, we, Jeff, we obviously love you up here. All right. Uh, uh, we heard about, uh, uh, what about the Sony hack?
0: Who gives a fuck, it's the, it's, it's the norm. Well, like Every,
1: Sony gave a It's the
0: norm, everybody's gonna be hacked. You're fully on the record for the rest of your fucking lives, get used to it.
2: I agree with that totally, I mean, we...
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true, like forget privacy, right? All right, Uber. Just go public already, please. Go public and... Pretty
2: freaking great.
1: Pretty freaking great. Um, All right, here's one. Work-life balance.
2: No such thing. It's all about choices. You make the choices, you go after them, and you live with the consequences, good and bad. And you make your own choices, and you don't wait for some bureaucracy to come out and tell you 100%. 50 50, 49, 51 that's all crap. You make the choices, you do the thing, and you live with the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. right
0: it's an individual thing that you have to respect the people that you've surrounded yourself with in your life and take their feelings into account but it's just it's such an individual thing and when people try to impose their work-life balance on others without the context of their lives their upbringings their spouses and all variables the kids dynamics it's crazy that's crazy
1: all right you know Jack and I gave a talk one time at a conference, and we, Jack said what he just said, and people in the audience stood up and walked out. I'm noticing nobody's walking out on that. And Gary, you kissed him, so maybe that's why nobody is walking out. It so. was a
2: more establishment. <laughs> a little bit more establishment.
1: Station. All right, uh, let's just talk about one last thing here in this, in this fast track. Texas, state, great state of Texas.
2: I think it's the greatest place you can do business. We're involved with three companies here, and absolutely love the whole atmosphere of this place. The energy of the, the people, the government, the taxes,
1: everything all right all right
0: I hate fucking Texas (laughs) because Texas wholesalers liquor wholesalers paid politicians in Texas in the back rooms to keep wine library from not being able to ship here while allowing everybody else to do it so I call that communism Jack
2: (laughs) you have a different experience what
0: would you do about it but you can't do, sh- do shit about it because the fact of the matter is state-by-state state liquor laws yeah, I'm and right. at the end of the day, I can't do dick about it and so fuck you, Texas. But that's
1: <laughs> 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 this is okay. All that's right. true of a
2: lot of other states <laughs> in the wine business. Right. Texas is Was not Texas not is the wrong. only
0: state that did that to you? Texas is the only state that is letting everybody else ship but me, yes. Texas is the only fucking state that's doing that. So I think
1: Texas doesn't like uh, Gary for some reason. You look at it, Texas, That's come fine. Love some, Gary.
0: Some fucking dickface doesn't okay. like me and was able to get a politician to block me. All that's right. fine. Fuck you. How does he really
1: feel? And that's what we need to know. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, look. Uh,
2: but we have two distinctly different d- d- this is
1: a point, a point of differentiation. <laughs> so, um, look. Um, Good. <laughs> You know, Gary, you're all new economy, all new stuff. Jack is b- very much involved in new economy stuff in the past 10 years, but you know, swam in the sort of industrial world for a long time. And so I'm gonna ask you both this question, see where you come out with it. What is tried and true about business? What is never gonna change? What, is one of the, what are the immutable laws? And what is brand new, given the way the world has changed in the past five, 10 years?
2: Hire great people. People with passion that I talked about before. Absolutely have a generosity gene. This is the thing that I have learned over all my years, that it's the most important thing a leader has had. I want you to think of your bosses. And, I, and I'm convinced now it's a gene. Is your boss somebody who hides your ideas and takes them themselves? Is your boss somebody who loves to see you get promoted? Is your boss somebody who gets turned on when he, gives, he or she gives you a raise or a bonus? Or are they trying to save the company two cents? Is your career big deal to them? If they're not, get your ass away from them. Because the generosity gene is what you want to look for in your boss. You want a boss that can hardly wait to see you sprout. That the biggest turn on in the world, the biggest turn on in the world for me is, I've got 41 CEOs who work for me. That's a turn on. That is better than any you can get. And that's what you want to look for. Don't work for the boss who hides you, who who takes your idea and shows it to their boss. Any of those characteristics.
1: And so you're saying also display this gene, right? I mean, it's not technically And you yourself
2: have this gene. Love to take care of your people. Love to do things for them. Make the atmosphere fun. Work is fun, and you've got to make
1: it that way. All right, so this is like one of the immutable long-term laws of businesses. Without be, question, if you've got the generosity, either work, work for somebody who's got it, or be the person or who's got the person it, or that both. Shows it. Right. All right. Immutable law of business. Forever and ever. Supply and demand you know, for
0: me that's the one I keep paying attention to. Right now I pay most attention to the supply and demand of attention. It's why I'm obsessed with Instagram and Snapchat because it's happening there. It's why I'm down on Twitter at this moment because there's a fire hose issue. So supply and demand really matters to me. I think about it all the time in whatever variable. Uh, I think the thing that's changed is the level of scale, right, the fact that Uber, or these companies in two, three, four, five years because the internet has created infrastructure and mobile devices and all these other variables. What's really changed is you didn't have companies go from zero to 40 billion in valuation in three, four, five years. So the scale has completely changed and so that gives the home run hitting, the upside, the Hail Mary, uh, a very sexy uh, kind of a halo effect which also then leads to everybody chasing that lotto ticket and it creates a different dynamic.
1: What is brand new to you Jack?
2: Well speed uh, speed. The speed is unbelievable. I mean every if, if you asked me five five years ago I would have said speed and now if you asked me today about five years ago, I would have said it was slow. I mean Everything is faster. I mean just take for example uh, six months ago how many of you thought oil would take a dive? Raise your hand. How many of you thought oil would take a dive? Two. How many of you don't give a fuck about oil? <laughs> you got him. No, you got him because of change. And 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 and, let, and let's go to the, the the euro. You you don't give a fuck about the euro, maybe. <laughs> you know, side. There we go, Jack. You're fired up. But, but the facts are, the euro, the euro has changed 40%, and if you're down 40% versus the dollar, and if you're a multinational, you're not, probably most 99% of you, but if you are and you're an exporter, you just had your throat cut. All your plans are gone in six months. That never happened before. So the speed of change the in the The speed of
1: change is unbelievable. In the markets, mm-hmm. all right. Look, um, <clears throat> Both of you come from pretty hardscrabble beginnings. I think, you know, technically Jack's sort of more hardscrabble than you, Gary, but, but you both, neither of you were born with silver spoons in any orifice. And so let me ask you this. Um, uh, when you were sort of 20 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: The owner of the New York Jets. Be,
2: be a professional hockey player. Isn't
1: that interesting? You both wanted to be in the sports world. Yep. Because business is a game, too. It's the game.
2: It's the game.
1: Oh.
0: Jack's still playing. That's what sucks up. Nobody understands. Being an athlete blows, <laughs> right? You have like an eight to twelve year window yeah. and then you're 34 or 37 and you have to like your whole life
1: has been for this thing and you've got to completely reset. Do you still want to be the owner of the New York Jets? Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but well, you could make it. Well you just got Rebus. <laughs> you're gonna but, have to get Rebus. but they could be better. Well why the fuck do you think I want to buy them? <laughs> okay. You heard it here first. All right. They didn't hear and So you, first, wanted, you both wanted to be in the athletic world, okay? So, and then what changed? I mean, like, when did it change? When did you sort of, when did you, well, why did you? When be-
2: I went to uh, college and I played against Canadians and I was <laughs> the slowest guy in town.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, you haven't yeah. given
1: up. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Jack, you ran a network. Gary, you think every person can be a network, probably. I do. Is there any future for intermediaries in the, in the media space anymore? Yeah, the platforms are the intermediaries.
0: Snapchat's in the middle now, right? So the platforms on top of the internet play that role, but clearly media's going through a massive shift. I think when you think about over-the-top services, uh, mobile first, I mean, there's such big shifts, and I think people are grossly underestimating how big of a moment Snapchat's Discover platform where they kind of went to media as, as a core function, a place that Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and other places had not gone before, I think that's a an early shot to where these things can go. Yeah,
1: yeah. I have to tell you, this is a true generational thing because you were, I know from previous conversations, you really think Snapchat's the live end. And, and Jack and I, whenever we get pictures from our kids on Snapchat, we're like, we're like, it's disappearing. And we get very frustrated by it. Our so entire
0: <laughs> Suze, our entire conversation right now is disappearing. Disappearing is actually the norm. That's actually how we live. Documenting is new. This is new with the front row filming. This is new. The way we've lived forever is disappearing.
1: All right, that's a very existential thought. Very existential thought. Um, Can I get you guys to say, each of you, what companies you think are overvalued and what you think is undervalued and why? Jack?
2: Not me, I'm just not smart enough to know because one day Apple, six months ago, eight months ago, At 700 bucks, and they had to split, it was dead. Look look at it now. Uh, So, you look at these companies, valuation is in the eyes of the buyer. And there's nothing else to say about it. I mean, so Microsoft was this, Cisco was this, now Google's this, Box is this. It's that they're valued whatever the market has. Now, I don't like the early funding when you're getting in at these crazy valuations before it goes public. Once it goes public, I think you got yourself a real look at the market and you'll find out if Box can deliver, if this next, if Shake can deliver, if Once can deliver, they were all up public in the last month. But now we'll watch them, they gotta start doing stuff. But this undressing where people are all buying Big evaluations under the radar. I can't comment on those. I don't know. What, what do you think?
0: I think I think it depends on the context of like a, a timeline. So I'm going to go with let's say a five-year timeline. I think. Things like, I think Walmart's overpriced in a five to 10 year window. I think they're much more vulnerable to consumer behavior over the next decade. I think Facebook is grossly underpriced. I don't think people really understand how good that ad product is and what we're gonna be seeing from that over the next four to five years. And just, I think Zucks is a beast and underrated um, because he just hasn't had
1: time to show it for the market. So, uh, those two stand out. All right. Just speaking of investing and and starting up companies and so forth, uh, what is the best thing in the world that your investors can say about you? If you're running a company, what's the best thing an investor can say about you?
0: Uh, You mean in the private angel world or in Wall Street? Let's say angel world right now. Uh, To me, I think it's just tenacity and willing to change their mind. My favorite, my favorite founders that I invest in are the ones who aren't scared that in six months after they went and told everybody that their company was gonna do X, when they taste that it's broken, they're willing to shift to Y. That takes a lot of courage, that takes an A player, There's way too many people in this room that don't like to change their mind. I look at it as the reverse. I only value those who are willing to do that. That means you're adjusting to the moment of the market at that set, and so that's what I'm looking for.
2: I agree with that, but I'd say say this. You also have to do what you say. The idea of, of a lot of bullshit out there doesn't work. It'll work for a period, but if you don't deliver on what you say, Credibility, your credibility is key to you all of your life. And, and so by the way, Jack,
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, more now than ever, because now, everything, everybody here is being documented to a level we've never seen generationally before, right? Yeah. right? So right. There's no hiding anymore. Everything's being documented. Right. If so Walmart
1: goes up 80X over the next 10 years, I'm a dickhead. Because right, they keep on showing it on a constant uh-huh. loop, right? Well, what's the best thing? I think Jackie, will talk talked about this a little bit. If that's what your investors, you're saying, you want to have investors be able to say, yeah, he changes when he sees the market changing. And Jack, you're saying, you want them to say, that guy does or that woman does what she says she's going but, to but, do. But, but,
2: but, I agree totally okay. with so him. You com- can't get locked in a, in a box. You've got to be able to move.
1: But a combination of the two. What's the best thing your employees could say about you? You talked about the generosity gene, but what else? What What's the best thing that people who work for you could say about you?
2: He. Really
1: cares about me, was,
2: me, my life, where I'm going, how I'm growing.
0: I was, I was gonna, you know, he or she is, you know, loves me. No, it's hates you. Oh, you're
1: what's the major employee? Because your, employees? If, 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 in your he's stunningly dreams. good looking, he's so good looking, I can't stand it. Okay, no,
0: that he. I, I think, me. I think the thing that I'm most proud of, and there's a bunch of employees watching in, in the room, is I'm willing to adjust back to the last answer. I and they map a career plan where we're going, but I'm always prepared for the worst. I'm always prepared for something to happen in their lives that they can't control, that I'm willing to adjust to, and protect them. The biggest thing that I want to do for my employees is to protect
2: them. You've got to, their back. What's that? You've got their back, yeah. they're giving them, absolutely. Yeah, it's mm. a big one for me. You But if them. they don't deliver, and the other thing I would say, you, they would say, you got to let employees know where they stand. I don't know if you guys... And I've done that
0: poorly throughout my career. What? I've done that poorly. I'm so obsessed with honey over vinegar. I would say over the last three to four years, with a lot of influence by my 11 year younger brother AJ, I've gotten better at being more straightforward because I'm so optimistic and I'm so honey over vinegar that I don't think I did a good enough job in my 30s or at least my late 20s into my mid 30s of being good at letting them know where they stood. I'd rather make it great, 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 and then fire them with a knife to their neck.
2: <laughs> All right, so. See now, uh, but, but that is, and thank God you know that, because that is the horse's ass of business when people do that. That is the worst. Horse's ass. You know, people come in and say, you can fire it. It's you, true. You, Mary, you have to go. Mary says, why me? Well, Mary, you really stunk, and, I, and we're having a cutback now. The recession just came. And Mary said, but I've been here 31 years. Let everyone who works for you know where they stand. Tell them, tell them three times, four times a year, here's what I like about what you're doing, and here's what you can do to improve. Let's just do a little quiz here. How, raise your hand in this room if you work
1: for somebody besides yourself. Okay, that's a heck of a lot of people. And what about the okay, other way? how many of you
2: know where you stand How, many, how
1: many of you bosses have told you where you stand? A third, not even. So if you're a boss, how many people here are bosses? Raise your hand, lots of those also. How many of you like bosses?
0: Like a boss or like a boss? I'm
1: not talking, how many of you are a boss? <laughs> how many of you are managers of people? Okay, how many of you have in the past six months told each one of your people candidly where they stand?
2: Bunch of Come on, not. Bad.
1: not bad, that's better than most much audiences. Much better than, 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 than more,
2: more mature audience. All right, audience.
1: okay, All right. we're gonna start taking questions from the audience, and here's one. All right, it's from Scott Perry. Scott, thanks so much for this great question, and here it is. What are the top three things that you give a fuck about, and Yeses. The top- okay, I said it, and the top three things nobody should give a fuck about?
2: <laughs> this
0: is the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy.
1: <laughs> that's the first for me up here, okay. What are the top three things you give a hoot about, and the top three <laughs> things that nobody—I like that—that that nobody should give a hoot about. Jack, what are the top three things that you give a hoot about?
2: My family, and nobody should give a damn about them. My school, the school where the Jack Welch Management Institute, where we're building leaders every day. We got 900 MBAs. I care passionately about that, and I care like hell about the Patriots and the Red Sox. Jesus fucking Christ.
1: He really does. All right, Gary. Wait, and what, did Jack? Just finish up. Okay. Okay, boys. What are the top three things that nobody should care about? Not you personally, but that nobody should give a hoot about. That nobody should give it. I told them
2: one. My family. One. No, no, but
1: I mean, per, like, you know, you shouldn't care about what other people think about you. I mean, that kind of thing. That's what the, I think the question is.
0: I've done my piece on okay, this fine. one. You, here are the three things I care most about. One spying on the other team's sideline, two deflating footballs.
1: Oh, Oh, you! Oh, he's getting back! You
0: loser! (laughs) Uh, And three Canadian hockey players. (laughs) I don't either. All right, all
1: right. All right, uh, I love this one. This is from Chris Hill. And his question is, what have you and Jack, what have you and Gary learned from each other?
2: Well, I, I I can say now I was at Gary's office last week getting some help on some stuff for our school, and what a place! Sacked out in couches, people with laptops, uh, heads down on desks and teams, go going at stuff. It's a whole new way of doing it that was brand new new to me, and it's exciting as hell. I think what uh, you know we're
0: we're getting to know each other more and more. What what. Jack taught me, is, it's more about reaffirming my greatest hope which is when you look up to somebody like a Jack and what he's accomplished and when he still has that fire, right? You know, I pray every day of my life in my silo of business that I'm hustling and, and on fire. Um, to, to the last second, right? Yeah. And so, to me, 60, 70, 80, 90. And he and just dropped the last decade on me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey. Jack, I was, uh, you know, people are living longer. Things are good. No, 140, uh, you can live to 142 listen now.
1: listen to him. Right.
0: Uh, but hear what he said about the Patriots. Um, and so, and so, uh, I, I think you know that to me is the best yeah right yeah. like yeah. like we were in a meeting the other day and he got pissed remember about that one thing I was like yeah I get pissed like he was like I'm not fucking doing that I'm yeah. like yeah that's right I know he was you know, really pissed I love
1: that I was exciting Good job Jack all right <laughs> Jack if you were starting a business today Adam Justice asked if you were starting a business today what business would you start
2: uh, if, I'm a of engineer I'll take that background I've, I've been in biochemistry so I would love to be in biotech I would love to find some real answers and it's a hot place That funding is easy and there's lots of funding out there for it and the world of, of, of biotech is changing every hour just like it is with yep. the internet. Yep. Yep. I, love the, I love the biotech space and it's been very good to me also.
1: If you could go back 25 years, what business would you start?
2: That's a good question. Maybe, maybe something like a Nike.
1: You
0: know, to me, I think that my legacy plays out professionally by building a consumer-facing brand at scale. So some of the iconic consumer brands that have started an Under Armour or something of that nature speaks to me. Grey Goose,
2: Vodka, yeah. something like that. Hmm. No, yeah. I, no, I didn't have the guts that you had, Gary, or some of people in this room had. I went to a big fat company called GE, and I was the first employee in a plastics business in the lab. And so I started, I, I hired my first technician, so I was a good communicator, there were just two of us. And so I started a business in the shell of an electrical company, a plastics business. Now we grew it to $15 billion over a period of time, but it was always under the shell. I wasn't out getting funding. I was able to steal employees from other places. I had a good brand to steal employees. So. Oh, I was an entrepreneur a cowardly entrepreneur you'd call me because I wasn't out in the street hustling I had this the mother ship yeah. protecting me and they didn't know anything about plastics
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, From Jay Levy what is the toughest business decision you ever had to make Gary? What's the toughest business decision? Probably
0: walking away from day-to-day operations of Wine Library, right? I mean, I built that with my dad. Yeah. It's my baby. Uh, it's it's my dad is my dad, right? Right. And and my hero came to this country with no money and a hundred bucks, and uh, and made an American dream for us and, and built a you know a foundation for us. So making that leap, it, it made it much easier that I was going to start a business with my brother, who you know is an absolute love of my life. So you know, I think that. I think that was still tough, though. As much as this amazing new chapter with my bro, who's 11 years younger than me, and if anybody has sibling separations at that scale, you understand that it, there's some fatherly, you know, there's a different dynamic. Yeah. It was still tough to like think that, you know, those 150 people at Wine Library bought into me yeah. for the most part. Uh, that was that was tough.
1: Yeah. All right, Jack.
2: Well, I uh, was just close to becoming chairman. I was vice chairman, and I. I was running for office and uh, I wanted to, and I have a speech impediment, as you all know now, and my stammer was always in my way, and I, when I was a young engineer, I saw this guy who was a slick speaking, beautiful speaking guy. Yeah, it must have been awesome. was in GE and he left GE to become president of another big chemical company. Then I became vice chairman, I could bring him back. So, everybody in HR, because I knew him 20 years before, everybody in HR was telling me, No, I can't have this guy. And so I became a real pain in the ass and drove in there and convinced the chairman at the time, I gotta have this guy. I hire him. And he turns out to be a drunk. Mm. Try that one. You're right at the edge of getting a tough job. You pushed aside the system, you blew the place up to get him. And he's a bum. What'd you do? I finally swallowed, went down, and said, "We got to take him out." I think it's why I got the job. I think it's one of the big reasons I got the job. Because you was it? I ate my mistake. He changed his I mind. I had mud all over my face. My arrogance dropped. My arrogance quotient dropped about fifty percent, and I became a bit better person for it. But it was a brutal thing because what most people do when they hire weak people. They try and hide them and do the work for them, because they don't want to ever admit that they screwed up. It's a common characteristic. Oh, shit, I hired a bum. Get rid (laughs) of the bum. And if they send to it, and do it. Yeah, and own it. That's a long story for sure. No, I'm I mean, sorry. And,
1: and I think that you know, like, you make a lot. The funny thing about the, the hard business decisions is they stay with you. I think, Gary, while you were talking, I could still feel how painful that and how hard that decision was to you. Did you you never regretted it? Did you? No, and and even
0: more interestingly, when I look back at my career, you know, I oftentimes think, what would have happened if I went right to tech early on or something else and not went in the family business? Yeah. And the slow curve that that created, but. I, I don't regret that because all the time I spent with my dad. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I mean, decisions are decisions. You got to make yep.
1: them. Yep. Okay. I, let's talk about MBAs for a second. And we had a question from Osvaldo. I'm not wearing my glasses. Ovaldo, Orlando, Yaya, okay. I, yeah. and Osvaldo, Yaya. Osvaldo, Osvaldo. I says, Jack, do you still still see any <laughs> value in
2: business schools? Yeah, look, if you've got you two years and the time to take off and go do it, and you get another notch in your belt, and you learn a lot, absolutely. But I got a better solution. I'm nice that this fellow asked that question. We got a book for $25, it's called The Real Life yeah, MBA. Yeah, go get it. <laughs> right life
1: hook, hook'em, Jack, right hook, hook'em.
2: I know, really. Right hook, hook'em, Jack. Right now, right now. The real, the real Life MBA. And we have a business you. school, online, 100%, that was just voted by CNBC. I mean, by CEO magazine as the number one business school in the U.S. online, number one costs thirty-nine thousand dollars. You learn today, Cheap. you practice tomorrow, and you share on Friday, and you get yourself a fantastic practical MBA. All
1: right, let's find out what Thank Gary. Thank you, Mr. I went back. Went went away. Okay. All right, let's find out what Gary wants to sell. Gary, anything you want to sell?
0: <laughs> um, I want to sell spying on the sidelines, deflating oh. footballs.
1: <laughs> no, I'm good. Are you saying you don't love Tom Brady? I do not love Tom Brady. I'm oh Tom on! Oh my god. Can we just take a vote <laughs> and then we'll move right I fucking along? Hate Who Tom loves Tom, Tom Brady. Brady? Oh, there's like five there's like people. people that okay, like Tom Brady. okay, okay, fine. All right. Oh, this, is t- All right. Texas this is Millennial there. Week is asking. Millennials are launching startups, has become a trend. Um, are they really ready or do they undervalue corporate experience?
0: Millennial week, I think that they could be ready. I was ready at 22, There's, we've seen a ton of people being ready. I think that we have an audacity now because of startup culture that everybody thinks they're always ready, always. And so, and and that actually goes even to a more interesting place. I actually am prejudiced against people who are Ivy League schooled, who've been protected in private schools, who I often judge wrongly by the way, that they don't have the stomach for the market right yeah. um, I've seen a lot more success with the scrappy in the streets play than the people that have been kind of coddled a little bit along the way right. because the market doesn't give a fuck where you went to school no it just cares about and, your performance. and companies
2: don't the day after you get there
1: that's a really good point
2: the day after you get there
1: I'm 14 years old says Rodney Yale Ford um, what interests did you have you were when you were 14 that led to your position today
2: playing sports, uh, pitching, playing hockey, and a ferocious golf competitor when I was 12. And I caddied when I was nine.
1: Do you remember anything from high school or college whatsoever?
2: Jesus Christ,
1: oh, no, no, Susie. Like, I would tell you, the, I already know the answer. I wouldn't ask the question. I mean, he just was not about school. He was about sports, were you not? I, I, I graduate school, I know you learned a lot. Oh, but, you weren't saying he was old as shit. You no, were saying- No, no, what do you think I am? Well, that's what I thought. I think that's what they thought, No, Susie. no, okay, thank you, Gary. That is not at all oh, I'm sorry. the meaning of that question. She has to face into
2: me later. I am
1: mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going home with this guy, so no, I did not I did not mean it that way. Um, I mean, school, it was not about school. Um, Look, the question my when my math
2: teacher, was the golf coach,
1: <laughs> so I didn't have to go to class, I went out and played golf. Right, it was all sports all the time. Gary, what, when you were
0: 14? I was an F student, making $2,000 a weekend selling baseball cards. It became the entire foundation of my success.
1: So every parent who's out there telling their kids to study and so forth, tell them just to play sports and sell cards and, <laughs> all right. Um, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Nassari asked. But by the way, Suze, for a second, yes. for a second. Obviously not, and ha-ha, but way too
0: many parents are not being self-aware, are not auditing their children properly, and are not putting them in the best position to succeed and, and, and emphasizing their entrepreneurial or athletic or other artistic skills. They're trying to force them into getting good grades because it's the parents who care about their self-esteem around their other fucking parent
1: friends. Look, the problem is that, I mean, the problem Thank you. is, I, I will just so say, nice. we're, between us, we have eight children, and I will just say that you start off saying I'm going to help my kid figure out who they are, and I'm going to help them become yep. who they are and what they're really good at, and then you get sucked into the vortex of getting your kid into college, yeah. and it makes you insane, fuck and you the do things. Okay, fine. Is. Well, how old are your kids, Gary? Five and two. And guess okay, what? On I'll the talk record. i you in 15 years. Oh, and I didn't Susie, talk, years talk to me this. right now. I don't
0: give a fuck what they do. I just want them to do what they're best at and I I don't give a fuck about what the other parents think of me. I don't need to live vicariously through my hard. kids
1: because I'm going to get mine right, by right, myself. Right, right, right. You can say, look, self-actualize yourself so you don't have to self-actualize through your kids. The question from Jennifer Nasari is, what is that? That's gratuitous advice from the moderator. Um, what is? What a, <laughs> moderator's on fire. Don't <laughs> make, make the moderator stop talking. Uh, <laughs> what's the best piece of advice you've ever received, both Jack and Gary? What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Great question. I can go first on this one, Jack, because it's quick. <clears throat> that, my, my
0: dad grabbed me at 15 when I started working, 14 when I started working in a liquor store, and as you can tell by my personality, I had plenty of natural bullshit, salesmanship, kind of bravado DNA, and he looked me dead in the face, and he did that, and he goes, "If you." <laughs> heavy Russian accent, if you ever buy something, you keep it. What he meant by that was, you stick to your word, right? That word was bond. And that force my dad pushed against my natural DNA, gave me the balance that is an enormous, enormous backbone to my success.
1: Okay, fantastic, Jack, best best
2: advice? Well, my my best advice was I I worked in an up in a uh, remote location for GE. I ran my own show. I came to work now in what looks like casual clothes. It was a big deal then, it isn't. uh, And then I got down to the headquarters just before the final job gets in, and and I'm appointed to the board, four of us as vice chairman. I go to my first board meeting. I'm in a white shirt, a striped tie, a blue suit, I'm I'm as packaged as I can be, and I go to the board, and I don't say anything. And Paul Austin, who was the CEO of Coke, comes up to me after me and says, Jack, the reason we gave you this job, and the reason we're looking at you, is you might shake this old place up. Be yourself. Dance with the girl who brought you here. Be yourself. Don't end up, you don't look right in this program and it's not gonna work.
1: Stay authentic. So
2: stay authentic. Stay authentic. M- like who you are, change as you learn about yourself. Be flexible, but understand, be yourself at the core. Yeah.
1: Don't try to change for where you're working. Um, can you, Sally Ann Kuntz asks, please, um, can you please rank an order of importance? Luck, intelligence, and hard work.
0: Backwards, hard work, intelligence, luck.
2: What do you think? I put intelligence and I put luck and hard work in the same pot. Okay.
1: All right. Nobody's asking me, so I'm not gonna answer. All right, this says, Jared Loftus says, what first? Build the team to get the company and its rev potential or build revenue so you can afford the team. This is the this is the entrepreneur's dilemma. I mean, what do you do? What do you, do? you build well, the team? If you don't have the money, you're not in the game, right? Mm-hmm. So You've
0: gotta have you know, one or the other. When AJ and I started VaynerMedia, we didn't take any funding, but I went out and hustled a couple pre-sales, campaign works, and asked them for the money up front, and we used that money to start the engine, right? So, if you don't have that luxury, you know, the chicken and egg is, is not as much a chicken and egg as people think. You need cash to stay alive. So, that's how I look at it.
2: But, yeah, and, and, and how you get it, and what the time is, is right, you'll figure out. But don't ever forget one thing: business is that game we talk about, and the best team wins. So without question, forget deflate gate, his crap. Uh, The best team wins. When you cheat, and 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 that, and and your job is to build the best team. I mean, and people say, say to me oftentimes, "Well, we're a small group. You need best team more than a big fat company does." Everybody was a small group. I mean, you you need to Every get company. the best and brightest you can touch, hmm. and then get lucky. Nah.
1: All right, this is Thomas a- Edison was one fucker. Then you had four hundred thousand people, right? Right, that's where it got to. Started with him. All right, let's let's. This is a great question. It's about mentors from Isabelle de Mortier, I think. Um, who was your mentor, and what is the most memorable moment you had with that person?
2: Well, I'm against mentors. I think uh, mentoring is bullshit, particularly in a company. Because you get assigned to a mentor. Everybody hates maybe the mentor. The mentor's <laughs> unpopular. The mentor's a dick. And you, you're all of a sudden a dick because that's your mentor. <laughs> you want to have everybody as a mentor. The Wall Street Journal's a, uh, a, a mentor. Zuckerberg's a mentor. Bezos is a mentor. You want to read and learn from Gary's a mentor. You want to grab and touch Every person, and don't get trapped in that corporate crap on mentoring where you get a person and you get stuck and you're saying you have mentors of people that you mentors don't know get, mentors give give you the parking lot and the directions to the men's and ladies room that's right what they have but good when you say for.
1: jack have these mentors you're talking about people
2: who don't you don't even know you just use these all people, people as mentors know, you want to learn about them and understand it all everybody's a mentor gary's a mentor but you, he's a mentor to me but you had but as
1: but you also had mentors like sai i mean you had real mentors who said, yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah, you get some, but I mean, you don't want to think of a mentor. You want to have everybody as you a want mentor. Everything is a mentor. Like at our school, for example, we have everybody in the morning getting the Wall Street Journal. And they're online, they're getting it, they're talking about it. And they're arguing whether Facebook is valued right or Twitter's right or something else. Is. But that's all generated from that newspaper. And it's information. It, it's a mentor. So everything is a mentor, Gary. mentors. You know, it's interesting. I was listening. It's it's
0: similar to my answer was going to be the market is the mentor, and I think that's what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I think, I, I you know, I mean, at the end of the day, my parents mentored me to be a person, but I was too egotistical as a kid to allow anybody to come in. Like I actually undereducated myself on purpose because I wanted to be internal to my intuition. All
1: right. You didn't like that one Suze? no, no. I'm. I'm just thinking about whether or not there's a follow-up question about whether y- your father was obviously your first mentor. My dad and I
0: didn't agree, agree on shit. All right. Right. He taught me the, the the word is bond, but my I grew my business from three to 25 million dollars in three years, and my dad called an all hands-on meeting because somebody was fucking stealing peanuts.
1: No. All right. You no. Know, we didn't hi. see the world the same way. Yeah. I, here's a question. Zeus. This is. Matt DiPaolo asks, and I, I'm going to broaden this question. The question is, what's the last book you read? But the question, I know we may, this may be a very short answer for both of the two of you, but what, let's just talk about what you read in general. When you wake up in the morning, you've got to fill your head with stuff to get going, to give you perspective. What do you read? What was the last? If you read a book recently, what was it? What was, and what do you read in general on a regular basis? What should people in the audience be reading? I mean, when I write my next
0: book, that will then match the amount of books that I've written to read. So that's not a good point. All right, so you're not but, reading books, but, okay. But here's what I am reading. I hope you read and our it, book. No, but here's what it is. It's back to the last question. I'm reading the 4,000 emails a day I'm getting, the thousands of tweets, I'm reading the market,
1: Yeah. Right? But do you read anything, any websites? Is there anything you go to every morning? Do you read all things D? Jets Jetsinsider.com. Jetsinsider.com. Well, that's right there with you, Jack. I mean, what are you reading?
2: I have about the same reading appetite as you do, but I'd get the real life MBA no matter what you do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but more importantly, and it all goes to charity, I want you to be yeah, sure Every last penny, it goes to charity. But, um, but more importantly, Business Insider, The Journal, The New York Post.
1: Um, I love
2: it. Page six, right? I love it.
1: I love it. I no, but
2: I don't, want, I don't want to be in it. I've done that. Yeah, right? I, I get it.
1: All right, this is, we have two more questions and then we're gonna wrap it up. We're getting to the end. Jack and Gary um, Lawrence Edmondson asks, were you ever scared that you would fail? And if so, how'd you get past it?
2: Always, constant paranoia. I, I see competition everywhere I looked. I always tried to take a product that we, that we were leading in and make it better. I heard a quote the other day from, from Tim Cook at Apple. It was a fabulous quote. It's one I live by, I never had the quote. It's his. He said, I never worry about the competition. I worry about beating my last release. I want my next product to beat the hell out of my last release. That's a great thought. You don't want to get all hung up against the competition. You want to just get better and better and better. To to me,
0: there's a very big distinction between respect and scared. I've never been scared, but I respect the competition. Uh, I respect that it's out there but, but, but I've never been scared. Par- not paranoid the way Jack is describing? No, I think, I think for me once I realized who I was at yeah. a very young age, I, I was scared about science class in sixth grade because I knew my mom would be upset that I got an F yeah. but, but I was when it came to business yeah. I, I've never had a day like that in my life. Yeah. Um, I, I'm scared about the health and well-being of my family, yeah. but business, that context, never.
2: Just we, too. We, we had 70,000 people in our company with stock options. And that is one brick on your back because you're out there every day. If that stock craters, you can think of all those lives that are whacked. Yeah. And so you are, that is a brick to carry. And uh, the joy of them getting on a Friday night the, the stock went from up 5,000% over this period, and the joy of going in and seeing the sheets Friday night of who exercised how many options was the turn on of all time. And to see that all taken away, away from them was a crazed paranoia that I had. Yeah. It drove me nuts. It's great. It was the worst obligation. You just felt it every minute. Let's
1: so just have I, So I was scared. All right, let's just have some parting words We're at the end here. I'm just gonna give you both free reign to just say, uh, you know, what, send people out with a message about, you know, if you want them to have one thought as they go out and think about getting business right, winning, crushing the competition, inventing, inventing themselves and inventing companies, what would be this last parting words of advice that you would give this crowd?
0: Self-awareness and empathy. It's how you're gonna win. Stop bullshitting yourself, start giving a fuck about other people. That is going to put you in a very strong position.
2: Care a lot about what you do. Everything you do. Relationships, your business. Have a passion for it. And care. Care about just about everything. And be authentic while you're caring.
1: Alright, thanks guys.
2: Thank you.
0: Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.